Hi, I'm Sam, and I'd like to welcome Mark Johnson, a co-founder of Playing for Change. Playing for Change is a project that features many artists from all over the world playing songs that everybody knows and loves. This effect really shows how music is the universal language and has created some of the most powerful moments I've ever seen. Welcome, Mark. How are you today? Wow, I'm doing much better. Thank you so much for that introduction. And again, it's an honor to be here. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's good to have you. (laughs) So what inspired you to found Playing for Change? You know, Playing for Change was a series of events that occurred over my life to come up with the concept. You know, it started with just wanting to find something in the world that everybody could be a part of. You know, instead of seeing people so divided for so many reasons, I thought to myself, there's got to be this connection out there because everybody's a part of the human race first. Like we're all human and then we become whatever we make, you know, what country we're from, our religion, gender, everything. But we come from, you know, the same place where we're all unified. So I started looking for what could do that in life. And I, uh, you know, when I was, when I graduated college, I got a job recording music in New York City at a big recording studio called The Hit Factory. And The Hit Factory at the time uh, was the biggest studio in the world. And, you know, first I would just go and I would get food for the musicians. And then eventually I got to record them. And one day I would go to work and I would be able to work with somebody like Biggie Smalls. And then the next day I would go to work and it would be Paul Simon. And then the next day it would be like a 70 piece orchestra from Broadway. And I would be there watching them make their music and seeing how incredibly happy they all were, like the greatest moments of their lives. But then when they would leave, they all go to totally different worlds, you know, and they don't all know each other. But since I'm there, I would think to myself, you know, if they could see what I get to see in each of them, they would be so much more connected, not just as musicians, but as people. So I started realizing music has this power. And then I was on my way to work one day in a subway in New York City, and there were these two monks painted all in white with robes on. One of the monks was playing a nylon guitar. The other one was singing, I don't know the language. I imagine nobody knew the language, but on this day, nobody gets on the train. You know, it's so many people in this platform just watching these monks play this music. And I just had this epiphany. You know, I looked around and I saw a homeless man next to a businessman and a little girl next to an elderly woman and everybody just so connected. And I realized that when the music was playing, anything that divided them just disappeared. And that also the best music I heard in my life was on the way to the studio and not in the studio. So I could spend my life recording music in the studio, but I'm never going to record whatever that just was, you know? So that was the day I kind of had the the idea of playing for change, which was first, the power of music can, can transcend the things that divide us. And second, that some of the greatest music is just in the streets and with the people. So I decided, all right, I'll bring the same equipment I use with Paul Simon in the studio out into the streets, add cameras and begin to, you know, record and film music for playing for change. Then a few years later, I met my partner, co-founder Whitney Cronky Silverstein, and she kind of pushed me a bit to, you know, not just go record and film the people, but also go one step further and you know and I would lie in bed at night trying to think of what could we do and then it just hit me oh, I'll just have them all play on the same song because that's what I would do in the studio anyway so I'll record you know someone on the streets in Venice Beach and then I'll record him playing a guitar solo with somebody on the streets in Harlem and just realized that then when I started doing that that it worked so well you know and that's when it became playing for change this concept of recording and filming musicians eventually all over the world, but really using it as a way to connect the world through music. Yeah, well, I think it's it's incredible. It's so beautiful. 
Um, the first song I heard from you guys was When the Levee Breaks. I remember when that came out, um, and I, I thought that was so cool. Like John Paul Jones, Derek Trucks, all of those like great musicians. And then you had these like incredible people from all over the world, like I'd never heard of. And I was just like, just like, wow, that was incredible. Personally, I thought that was amazing. Yeah, I mean, you know, after doing this, this is now our 20th year of playing for change. So I probably started with, uh, produced that song with my great friend, Sebastian Robertson. And we started that one probably two years ago. So, I mean, we had a lot of experience doing this. But also it was a cool way to tie in powerful stories around the songs. So that was a, a concert we were doing for the United Nations, um, a global event for the environment. And when the levee breaks, you know, it's just the, the, the subject of the song is so powerful. Yeah, and we reached out to John Paul Jones and he agreed to do it. And then, um, yeah, just incredible musicians. Like you said, you know, the whole point is some of the greatest music in the world you've never heard of. <laughs> You know, so this is a chance to expose it to people. Great talent is everywhere in the world. And so our job is to help make the world smaller for people, show them this incredible talent and then how well it all fits together. So when the singer Mihirangi, you know, from New Zealand comes in to sing on that song, it's and she has such a tribal vibe to her, you know, and when she brings that energy, it just brings this whole new way of feeling the song, you know. So I think it's just about honoring these great songs from the past and then creating something new with all these musicians around the world. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was really neat with uh, her from New Zealand. I, I remember I was like, wow, this is I never thought I'd hear that from when the levee breaks. <laughs> so, yeah. How do you choose like what songs you do? You know, there's so many years now <laughs> of choosing songs. I mean, originally it was songs to unite people like Stand By Me and One Love by Bob Marley and things like that. But then as you start to travel the world, you realize there's a lot of war and poverty and division and all this conflict. And you can't just make music to uh, make everybody feel good. It also have to be to inspire people to be a part of the change they want to make in the world, like things with more urgency. So that's when songs like uh, Give Me Shelter and uh, Get Up, Stand Up by Bob Marley or When the Levee Breaks, those kind of songs that speak to something more important, like, you know, there's things we need to do as a human race right now to protect the environment, to protect people. There's kids living with no food. There's all kinds of stuff, you know, that we got to we can't sleep on it. We got to act on it. So music helps to inspire you to be a part of that too. And then um, then there's also a lot of like recreating the slave trade through music. So figuring out all the places people came from Africa and reuniting them back through songs has always been a concept of ours. It's subtle, but it exists in a lot of the songs we do. And yeah, and then also uniting conflict countries and putting them together. Like we did Peace Train around the world with Cat Stevens. And on that one, you know, it opens with India and Pakistan playing together. And it's just about showing people the that when the music plays, we're all together. Yeah, that's so beautiful. Like with India and Pakistan, just that idea that we're all we're all humans at the core, right? Even even with Yeah, these and the music is everybody's pride. So it's like, you know, it's just, it's bigger than the politics and it's bigger than the, because it's a feeling, you know? It's not all in your head, it's it's in your heart and stuff. So I think that's why music just transcends all the boundaries and the borders. And, you know, we, we've made so many of these songs, so you get to really see some kind of version of the whole world playing together. And it can just give everybody the truth that that's how it really is. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's great. And how do you find these incredible musicians to play on these songs? Well, up until the pandemic, the way I would find them is based on the kinds of music we were making. I would always make a, you know, we would always have maybe five different songs around the world at one time to work on. And they used to just take years to make, you know. And so we would travel and based on what kind of instruments we wanted to add, we would just sort of look on a map, see where that music is played. We want to get a Zulu choir on a song. Okay, well, the Zulu choir there in the township of Umlazi, South Africa. So let's go there, you know, and show up with a small crew, maybe like four, four people usually. I would have a mobile studio and a couple of cameras. And then we would always hire local musicians. And then those local musicians would be like a guide for us and then also help us find other musicians. So a lot of it was just by showing up to all different parts of the world with this equipment and with this intention to create something really great with these people, make all these connections. And that's why we created the Playing for Change Foundation back in 2008, which was to build music and art schools around the world in the communities we met while traveling. That way we could just meet people, but not just leave. We could then build something together. You know, all our schools are free. They're all run by the communities. There's now, I believe, 19 of them. And it's just this cool way of keeping the world connected. Then we connect all those kids from the schools. And yeah, it just becomes bigger than just recording a song. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. You keep the connections going and, and really help like bring music, I guess, to those people if they if they uh, they need it, right? I, yeah, well, and everybody needs it. Yes. The whole world needs it. The whole world plays it. It's the great uni unifier, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, you were talking earlier about how um, you pick these musicians based off of the instruments. How do you choose which instruments to do? Because I've seen in some of your videos, these instruments I didn't even know existed and they're just so cool. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes for me, it's just discovering them too. But other times it's just kind of figuring out, um, okay, so for example, I'm going to go to Morocco. And in Morocco, they have this really cool traditional music. It's like medieval blues is what it sounds like to me. So I thought well, that would work really good um, Nirvana's song we did around the world, Come As You Are, because it just fit, it fits the feeling of the song, you know? Or there's other times where I can be like, oh, I'm going to go to New Orleans. And in New Orleans, I want to add these great horn players. So, you know, then I would be able to know which kinds of songs, you know, which kinds of songs I'm going to work on. And, you know, each of the instruments, they come basically out of the feeling of the song. Because you can take a guitar in America, or you could record a similar version of a guitar in almost every other country in the world. And they have some variation of the guitar. It can have more strings or less strings, and, but, and it can be different tunings. But it's all based on the same sets of notes for the most part. And it just, you know, all the music of the world fits together so incredibly well. So for me, yeah, it's just about kind of discovering each song and just giving it a starting point. If it's a blues-driven thing, if it's a reggae-driven thing, maybe that'll drive me in different directions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I can see how that, that would definitely, um, I guess, based off of the, the vibe of the instruments from these places, that would definitely help. And yeah, exactly. You must have gone to so many countries and cool places then. Yeah, I think I recorded music in well over 50 countries. Wow. Um, and a lot of them, you know, been to many, many times, you know, Brazil, probably over 20 times recording and filming music. And also, you know, we have the Playing for Change band and they tour all over the world, uh, which is a bunch of the musicians from the videos. 
So yeah, there's always a lot of places to go. I'm about to go on a trip in a little under two weeks to Angola. Oh, I'm going to Angola in uh, in Africa to record. I'm working on new songs, kind of uniting musicians from Portugal, Angola, and Brazil. All right. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be really neat. More more places to visit. That's always a good thing. Yeah, exactly. So, do you yourself play any instruments? Yeah, you know, I play for fun. All the musicians I record are so great, so I don't play in any of the songs or anything, but I do. I write songs and I play guitar and stuff like that. Yeah, that's good for you. I mean, music is a great thing, right? <laughs> we all Yeah, love it's it. the most fun thing and sit around and jam with my friends and that's a lot of what we did in the pandemic. Oh, yeah. Well, how'd you get into music? You know, I got into music, be- well, into music was mostly from my brother, who's now a, a partner with me at Playing for Change. His name is Greg Johnson. But he's the first one to really turn me on to songs, you know, when I was younger. And just, you know, being around music, um, more listening to it, though. You know, just my father and mother would always play music. And then when I went to the University of New Hampshire, I needed to get a job. And there was an advertisement in the newspaper saying, uh, live sound engineer, no experience necessary. And I was the only one that went to the interview. (laughs) 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 So I got the job. And then I ended up like mixing the music for all the bands at college, you know, in the university, but also in the bars and just really fell in love with it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, music is a pretty beautiful thing, um, as is shown by, you know, all these videos you've done and everything that they're just incredible. And do you do you have any upcoming projects uh, besides that Portugal one that you could uh, tease for me? Well, um, let's see. You know, we're working on a bunch of new songs around the world. So we have uh, some great stuff coming out from Bob Marley. Been working on the song No Woman, No Cry around the world for a couple of years. It's always been one of my favorite songs. But yeah, no. And the other thing is, you know, if people become a member, I'm playingforchange.com, then you get to go on the journey with us all over the world. So you'll see us go on the trips and you'll meet all the musicians and see how the songs are made and you can join in with different ideas and Yeah, so I I think it's an exciting time. You know, we're trying to get the whole world to join together and um, take everybody on a musical journey. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's great that people really get to meet these musicians that they hear in your videos. Do you have a personal, like, favorite video that you guys have ever recorded? One of my favorite ones was The Wait that we did around the world with Robbie Robertson and Ringo Starr and... My greatest friend is Merman's Mosengo. He's from the Congo. He sings the second verse. Another great friend of mine is John Cruz from Hawaii. He sings the third verse. It was great because it just was years of of, of so many great relationships coming together um, for a song that, that, you know, I don't know if everybody knows the, 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 the name of the song, but everybody knows the song when they hear it. And um what I, yeah, I just loved making that. That was the first song I made with my producing partner, Sebastian Robertson. His father is Robbie Robertson, who wrote the song. So it was just a lot of great synergy in one. And I think it was the first time I, we got these new cameras. And it was the first time it started to kind of look at kind of that next level. So I, yeah, a lot of stuff come together. But, you know, I, I love making all these songs, to be honest. It's my favorite thing in the world. Yeah, it's really incredible. I know for that one specifically, when I first watched it, I saw Ringo at the beginning and I was immediately excited as a Beatles fan. Right. Yeah. So, but, you know, honestly, they're all so much fun. Um, You know, I love working on Bob Marley stuff, too, because I would travel all over the world and he's the one musician that's everywhere. You know, I went to record musicians, Tibetan musicians. 
and the whole record store was all Tibetan music. And in the middle was Bob Marley legend, you know, and because they can sing his music and he represents the people of the planet so well. So I love doing his songs around the world. Um, so when we did Redemption Song, we got to work with Stephen Marley singing on the song with his dad. That was just a powerful experience, too. Yeah, that sounds pretty powerful. I noticed you did lots of Bob Marley songs. I was going to ask, but you just uh, you answered my question there. <laughs> so how do you actually like compile all these sounds together? Is it like, do you do one at a time and then you just mash them up or how does it work? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's evolved over the course of the time, but basically I travel with a laptop with Pro Tools. And so some examples, I could just start a song with somebody I meet playing a guitar, record them with a pickup in their guitar, like with a cable so that they can sing and play, but I could always take the voice out, you know, and then I could add other singers somewhere. That's like an easy way to imagine it. So it starts with something like a guitar player somewhere playing sometimes with a metronome or a click and sometimes without. Okay. So now you've got the basic track. Then I can go to the next country, put headphones on a drummer outside He'll listen to the guitar and he'll play the drums. Then I go to the next country, put headphones on a bass player. He listens to the track. He plays the bass and so on, you know, all over the world. It's really done like that. So it's layered. And then sometimes, you know, if I like for the weight, because I was going to film Robbie Robertson early in the process, I wanted to, and Ringo Starr was going to film. I wanted to have something they could play to that sounded more complete. So for that one, I went to the recording studio, hire a band, play the song. Then I slowly pull all those pieces away and replace them with musicians outside on the streets or wherever they are. Oh. So it's really those two concepts. One, I start from scratch and just build it. The other, I bring something a little bit more complete so that if you're the first, second or third musician and you put on headphones, you hear more than just a metronome and, you know, you get to really feel something. So I kind of combine those two strategies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that must work. It sounds pretty great <laughs> on uh, all your songs. Yeah, and you know, the one thing about making music is one of my great friends, his name's Keb Mo, and he's one of my mentors and best friends. And he used to say to me, you know, sound is a feeling. Music is a feeling first. Before it's a sound, it's a feeling. So if it feels good, it's always going to sound good. And if you want proof of that, you could go listen to Robert Johnson or Elmore James or something. And then you could go listen to Steely Dan. <clears throat> and they're completely different kinds of recordings, but they both can feel really good. So they sound really good. And you don't care what kind of recording it was because it feels good and it sounds good. So now you like it. So... For me, it's like, doesn't matter where you're making it inside, outside with good equipment, bad equipment. It's about the feeling. So if you make somebody feel good about what they're doing, then they're going to play better. Now their instrument's going to sound better. Your microphone's going to sound better. Everything's going to be better from the inside out, you know, instead of like trying to make everything so mathematical or so specific, then you can take away the feeling and then you get this more of a science, not music, you know, music is a feeling. So anyway, for me, that's a big part of the whole thing is make everybody feel good. Everybody's a part of something bigger than ourselves. And then, you know, music is the best way to, and the best tool we have to connect hearts. So people feel good, then they play their music and then it always sounds good. It really doesn't matter what else you do if you do that. Yeah, it, it is very emotional music in general and your music. Um, the music with all those people. It's just so beautiful. As I said before, like 
it, it's incredible. It made my heart warm so much when I saw that. Like, it, it was just incredible. Yeah, I mean, it's important for everybody to know if, if you feel that way, though, it's just a mirror of the world we all live in. Like, that is our world. It's not some make-believe thing or some, like, you know, fiction. This is real. This is what happens when you travel the world with microphones and cameras. Everyone wants to play. Everybody wants to come together. Even if they don't understand the language, they can feel it. They can feel the music. And it just is the greatest thing to connect people. So if people think we live in a divided world, they can always just watch these videos and realize that's just not true. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's such a beautiful cause. And uh, my question for you is how can I help? How can we help? How can the people help? Yeah, I mean, it's a project from the people for the people. So the one thing is what you're doing now, help to share the concept of playing for change with people, you know, whether people have play it for their friends, you know, when they're hanging out or share them online or come to playingforchange.com and become a member, because that's the best way for us to really support all the musicians and make all the music. But really, I think the main thing is, yeah, just to, to come to playingforchange.com and become a member. And that way we can all keep in touch. But I really think the ultimate goal is to just have people be inspired by it and then let it take care of itself. Wherever you want to put it is where it should go. Yeah, I, I, I'd love to get the message out. You know, that's what this was all about. I, I, love, I love your story, and I want to share it, you know? Yeah, man. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to me. It, it's just incredible to hear all about, you know, like when I first heard you're playing for change music, I thought it was breathtaking and incredible, and I, it makes me, like, it made my day to get to talk to you and to get to hear all about how how it's done. Well, thank you, Sam. I feel the same way, man. Really an honor to meet you and proud to be uh, you know, a part of this program you're doing. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Sam, and that was Mark Johnson, a co-founder of Playing for Change. Keep listening to my back pages, and if you liked this interview, then make sure to check me out at my back pages on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, any podcasting platform, and you can hear many other cool interviews just like this one.